Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. From what I know of this God... How, how good is his record? Is he trustworthy? Can I trust him on the basis of this for tomorrow, which I don't know? Um, and then it t- comes down to God's character. So I think with kids, you know, looking through the gospel, say, uh, and seeing Jesus at work and say, well, how does he treat people there? Um, looking at the Psalms, looking at different parts of the Bible, saying, what, what is God really like? Can you trust your tomorrow with this God you've got to know. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm Ed, I'm the director of Faith in Kids. We exist to bring churches and parents together to raise children to flourish. Uh, I'm joined by Amy. Say hello, Amy. Where are you? Hello, hello, Ed. Um, I'm Amy. I'm in Liverpool. I'm delighted to be here. We have more fun guests today. Mark, who are you? Where are you? How do you do it? Hi, Ed. Uh, I'm Mark Mennell. Um, I don't know how I do it. I'm normally in Berkshire, but I'm sitting in Pembrokeshire. Lovely. And what's your view out your window, Mark? I can see some sea. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sitting at a desk and I'm working, just so that you know. Okay. Um, and you're Mark, interrupting my work, but that's how nice I am to let you. Thank you, Mark. And tell us a bit about your day job and something about the jobs you've done in the past and some of the books you've written, because that makes us all want to listen a bit more. Does it really? Oh. Yeah. Um, my day job most of the time is that I am one of the regional directors for Langham Preaching, which is part of Langham Partnership, founded by John Stott. And Langham Preaching exists to develop expository preaching ministries uh, around the world that are led by people from the countries that they're taking place in. So I'm I'm a kind of catalyst. I guess I'm a bit like a UCCF staff worker working amongst pastors. Um, so that's mainly what I do. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, and Mark, you've, um, you've written a few books uh, about the interplay of emotions and the gospel, which is something of what we're talking about today. Could you tell us a bit about that? So I guess um, the main 
book you're referring to is one called When Darkness Seems My Closest Friend, uh, which came out uh, in 2018. And that's a book about uh, having depression and doing ministry and how the two fit or don't fit together. Um, so inevitably, some raw emotions are right at the forefront of that. Um, and that's something that I've battled with for, for years now. I'm still in ministry. I'm doing a lot better than I have done in the past, but it's still an ongoing issue in different ways. But uh, yeah, that's where I mainly tackled that issue. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for explaining that. Uh, our hope with this particular episode is we've called it the back to school episode. We've done it every year. And that is because uh, this two weeks, one week, uh, can be something of a whirlwind for parents of all types. Uh, perhaps you're sending a child to school for the first time. Perhaps your child is going into a new school. Or just perhaps after a good summer holiday, it's proving harder to go back. Or maybe after a year of up and down instability with COVID, uh, going back to school this year does feel harder than some others. There are various reasons. Amy, can you tell us a bit about su some of the difficulties that people might be going through, how they're feeling? Yeah, so I think I think what you've just hinted at there, I think that's big. So the, we all feel big emotions about our kids starting school. Um, I remember various various struggles with um, my eldest starting school and being worried about him. He had some additional needs and are they going to be okay? And is he going to be okay? And that unknown. Um, I've got a child starting secondary school this time who's very anxious about going. And a lot of the normal things like visit days and transition days and um, having been in the building before, they all haven't happened. So there's there's perhaps more reason than normal for for concerns just be ramped up that little bit more and the thought that who knows will we be isolating will we be working from home will there be any level of just uncertainty is always worrying for everybody and we all wonder how are we going to cope so I think that's where we're at uh, I I would say my hardest lowest moments as a parent is late at night when one of my children is in tears begging me to not allow them to go to school the next mm. day yeah. uh, because as a parent I I absolutely my instinct is keep the child with me I can help I love this child I don't fundamentally think school is important enough that it should cause misery so everything in me wants to say great let's not go to school tomorrow and and I find that when I pray with my children in those situations they hear dad essentially praying, Lord, we're in a hole mm. and we need you to show up. Mm. Uh, and it may be that, that that is happening at this time of year uh, as we try to process what it will be like to go back to school. I think that's true. We all would rather our kids didn't go through anything difficult. But sadly, sometimes going through difficult things is exactly what they need to do. And that's, that's a tough gig. We have uh, written a series called With God Together, which is exploring how we help children through some of these extreme emotions that we call monsters. They might be loneliness, uh, they might be worry, uh, they might be some element of despair. And we have been approaching these monsters by looking at the Psalms. 
Uh, Mark, can I just talk to you about these monsters? Um, these emotions that I suspect we just don't want them. And I'd say Christians in particular don't have the best relationship with emotions. There is a sort of caricature that that when a, a Christian is feeling like this monster is at their door, perhaps another Christian just sort of throws a Bible verse at them in a WhatsApp and drops them round a lemon drizzle cake and hopes it will all get better. Could, could you just help us to navigate something of a sort of healthy Christian perspective on emotion, Mark? I think you're spot on that we do have a, a fairly patchy um, sort of legacy when it comes to emotion. I think partly because somehow we we equate a strong emotion that might be quite um, overwhelming and negative as in some way a sign of failure, spiritual failure, when actually that may not necessarily be the case at all, far from it. It could be that the emotions are there to as a kind of um, flashing light on the dashboard to warn us of something, that actually the, the emotions are there um, as a friend, if you like, to, to, to help us and to say, hang on, there's something not quite right here. It's, it's, it's you know, a warning signal to stop in your tracks. Um, and that actually there's a whole range of different factors that lead to them. And it could be as simple as um, being hungry. I remember, you know, when the kids were hangry, when they were hungry and tired and then angry. Um, and actually what they needed was not so much discipline as some food in their mouths or or whatever it is, there's a whole range of different things that influence our emotions. So we shouldn't be too quick to assume um, spiritual vitality or or, or or spiritual doom from how they're um, making us feel. Um, they're not a good barometer for spiritual reality. So, Mark, in that case, um, if if we're saying there is a benefit in them being an alarm, but equally you're saying don't judge the reality of all situations by how you're feeling. How, how do we navigate that then? What What is a Christian response to when we find ourselves fronting up to a monster? I think we're all different. And, and that's not just a, a platitude. It's very important because I think each of us has to learn what it means to be godly in the unique circumstances and, if you like, sort of cocktail of temperaments that we we possess. So each of us is going to have different strengths and weaknesses, different areas that, you know, are like water off a duck's back that don't affect us, whereas other areas that are real temptations. And that's going to be very different from Joe or Jane Bloggs next, next door. Um, so we're very quick to judge people who are you know, find it difficult to resist temptations that we find easy to resist. And we're very relaxed about others who struggle in the same ways as us. We just need to recognise we're all different. And in a way, Christian maturity is about trying to find a way, learning how to be godly with who I am. So uh, the first um, goal, if you like, is self-awareness, self-knowledge. And sometimes we need our spouse, our, our friends, to help us do that. Sometimes we just need to look back over um, a few years of life experience and say, okay, so so what was I doing there? How did I react? And, and was that proportionate or whatever it is? And we just begin to see where our, um, our Achilles heel, where our weaknesses are. 
uh, and and what our temptations are, and then say, right, are there things I can put in place to um, to to counteract that? <laughs> Without wanting this to be a sort of deep dive into <laughs> cultural wars, um, that we we are talking a huge amount, uh, I'm sure, rightly about mental health. Mm. I personally know plenty of friends, Christian and not, who through lockdown uh, were tested and broke. Mm. You know, it hurt. Um, could you just, perhaps we are in some ways, we are more used to the godless version of approaching mental health than we are of the Christian version. Could you could you give us some distinctives that you think mark out a Christian approach to issues of anxiety, depression, panic? You're right that the kind of language of the therapist or, you know, the psychologist couch or whatever, that is just, that's part of the oxygen we breathe today, isn't it? So it's very easy for people just to slip into psycho-talk, psychobabble, and for us to all assume we know we're talking, what we're talking about, that we're talking about the same things, and that actually the, 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 the ways you deal with such things that we see perhaps um, on TV, in drama, or in the newspapers or whatever, is the best way to go about it. Um, and of course, inevitably, f- most of these approaches leave God out of the picture completely. So it's inevitable that for all the wisdom, and I think there is great wisdom in it, we don't want to throw it all out, you know, the baby with the bathwater, but for all its wisdom, there, there are going to be some flaws. And so we need to acknowledge that. And having God as the central focus uh, is really important. In a funny sort of way, I might actually go so far as to say that being a Christian sometimes can make mental health more of a challenge because you have the added dimension of what we believe about God as revealed in Christ, that he is good and loving, that he is in control and that he is just. Um, that combination makes a lot of the distress and anxieties that the world throws up even harder to come to terms with. If there's no God, you can just say, you just shrug and say, okay, it's a bad rap, but that's just the way things are. If I believe that God exists and is active and that his character of all these things we see in the Bible, then actually that makes it even more of a gut punch. And, um, and so it's all the more reason for us to just slow down and unpack how our thinking goes. We have to somehow talk to ourselves, preach to ourselves, if you like, and say, okay, well, what do I know is true? And what do I believe here? And, you know, in my better moments, I'm not someone who gets this right all the time by any stretch. Um, But in my better moments, I need to go back to the cross because in the end, it's a, the cross, it's the only place where I see all those facets of God at work together, um, where wrath and mercy meet, as a song would put it, and where we see God's justice and his love together, um, and he's in control at the cross, all these things. And then I have to come out from that and say, okay, how does this mm. shed light on or put into perspective my, my own particular worries? So, Mark, I think um, as adults, um, and maybe I'm just speaking for me here, but I I think over the last few years, that's been something that I've um, worked at being able to do better. 
And I think the challenge of being a parent is that these are still things that you're working on understanding yourself and you want to help uh, your child with the same thing. So can you help me try and work out how to make that simple uh, when I'm talking to a, to a child who's worried about going back to school? Yeah, absolutely. That's That's a key question in a way for all of us, isn't it? And actually... It's not just for kids, but yes, you're right. We do need to find ways to communicate that. I remember when I was first ordained, I worked for a church and there was a dear sister in the Lord, um, a senior member of the congregation who who helped with the ministry I was doing. Mm, yeah. And um, she had actually been through real turmoil and suffering through her life. I mean, uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and all kinds of horrors actually she'd endured. Um so one of those people you meet occasionally in life that you think you have had far more than your fair share, if there is such a thing as a fair share of suffering. But basically what she'd been through was just way beyond um, uh, the norm. And I remember at the time, so I was, I was in my 20s, late 20s when I was mm. ordained. I remember at the time um, really valuing her and respecting her. But, and she would often say, um, it's all about knowing the Lord. And that always seemed to me like a bit of a, a sort of trite, easy platitude is, you know, just just know the Lord um, as if that would just solve everything. Um, and it took me a long time because I'm slow. It took me a long time to realise what she was talking about and why actually in the end, this is all we've got. What she meant is knowing the Lord in terms of our relationship with him, but knowing his character and therefore being able to know his track record into the future. Um, and Corrie ten Boom, famous um, Dutch woman who, with her family, helped protect Jews during the Second World War, ended up with her sister Betsy in a concentration camp. Her older sister ended up dying um, of a pre-existing illness in the camp. Um, and she wrote various books. She used to have this amazing phrase. She said, do not be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And the unknown future, yes, of course, for our kids going to school tomorrow or whatever, uh, for us as we're facing a post-COVID world, for, for maybe jobs at risk, uh, mortgages, you name it. Mm. All of these things we really do not know. We talk about the foreseeable future, but there's no such thing. The future is, by its very nature, not foreseeable. Um, and so we can't know that. We then have to ask, well, what can we know? And so then we have to go fall back on the track record as it's been revealed. And you say, OK, from what I know of this God, how, how good is his record? Is he trustworthy? Can I trust him on the basis of this mm. for tomorrow, which I don't know. Um, and then it comes down to God's character. So I think with kids, you know, looking through the gospel, say, uh, and seeing Jesus at work and say, well, how does he treat people there? Um, looking at the Psalms, looking at different parts of the Bible, saying, what, what is God really like? Can you trust your tomorrow with this God you've got to know? And I, I think... As a parent, the huge advantage we have is that we know our children very, very well. 
So, so what that means is we understand where that point of tension, where that difficulty, where that worry is rooted. So therefore, what we have, the challenge, the difficulty then of being a parent is, I know exactly what the fear is. I know exactly <clears throat> what the uncertainty is. I know exactly what it is that is ahead of my child that makes them so nervous. What is it about God that speaks into that moment? That's the hard part as the parent. What can I say about God that helps my child to say, I am okay because he has me. And, and, and the reality is that as a parent, we are looking for the moments of difficulty because that is where the, the lessons of life happen. We don't have to discuss God's good nature as we pack up the surfboard on a summer holiday. We can, it's brilliant too, but we don't normally need to. Uh, we are just coming off the back of a summer holiday. I hope it's been brilliant for you. It's certainly, I hope, been the rest you've needed. It is possible you've talked less of God in this last month because it's been great times. And this next week, you may find you are talking about God more than any other time in your year. That would be amazing. But how sad it would be if in our children's greatest moment of need, the best we could offer them is, I'll talk to your teacher, I'm sure she'll help. We have something much, much better to say. Amy, do you want to comment? Yeah, I think I think the Psalms have been really helpful um, for my sons and me to discuss together. Um, I have a son who's struggled massively with anxiety over the last year and um, and being able to know that we have a God we can be completely honest with um, has been really powerful, that we can go and we can say we're not okay and this isn't right and we're cross and we're angry and we're sad. And, you know, if if you were writing if you were writing a book that presented you as wonderful, you wouldn't have some of the horrors of the of the Psalms of the depth of people's despair in it. But suddenly you've got a God who's so, who is so incredibly safe to go to because he's he's happy to take it all and understand it all. So that therefore there isn't a battle that we have to help. You know, you, you don't get me. So I think for. for to be able to talk and say this is a God who totally understands and um, is okay with us just bringing the struggle rather than, and I've worked out how it's for my good and this is now the better answer that I've got to, so now I'm coming to you to get my sticker that I've got the answer right. But I'm coming to you because I haven't worked out what the answer is and we have a God who's incredibly okay with that. Um, And I think that's been powerful to pray through to talk about and to say that this is what trusting God looks like trusting God looks like not actually knowing the answer yet um and and looking at the psalms to see how big he is how good he is what he has been like so therefore let's put one foot in front of the other pray like crazy and do what we can um and you know that's why I've loved the psalms and that's why I think it's been a really helpful place to go um, to see that answer of there's a God who's great and a God who loves us and who's promised to be with us. And, you know, 
that has to be enough sometimes. That probably has to be enough all the time. <laughs> uh, one of the Psalms we've been looking at uh, in this series with God together is Psalm 46. Uh, and we've looked at this uh, particularly through the lens of children who are worrying, the uncertainty they see around them. They don't know what it's going to be like, which which is must be the case to some degree at the beginning of every year. I, I don't know who my teacher will be. I don't know which room I'll be in. Or, or I don't know who, what school will be like and I don't know who my friends are. Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 46. I'm re- reading it from the NIV. Uh, and then Mark is just going to give us a hand with seeing perhaps a few pearls of how this psalm could speak into our lives and our children's lives with uncertainty. Psalm 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, Mark, how can this help? It's important to recognise that this um, sounds like a psalm of stability and invulnerability and confidence. But actually, it's it's written to get somebody to that point when they're not feeling like that at all. Um, so the statement at the beginning, God is our refuge and strength, is is a rallying point. It's not saying, hey, we're sitting back, it's all sorted, we're, we're, we're um, downing the, the pina coladas or whatever it is. It's saying, no, yes, God is our refuge and strength. Verse 2, therefore, we will not fear. And that is, that is an intention, that is a decision, that is a determination in the midst of things that are frightening. Um, you know, and the, the imagery of verses two and three is pretty extreme, isn't it? We're talking sort of earthquakes and tsunamis. It's the school run, the imagery. It's exactly the school run. <laughs> That's basically verse 3b would be talking about lollipop people and Though um, so you tailbacks. can't find the uh, shoes and, and, the, and the, everyone is in chaos. That's totally it. Gosh, <laughs> trying to find the shoes, that, that takes me back. It's been a long time since I've been doing that. I, I lose my shoes now. That's different. Um, <clears throat> but the, the, the crucial thing is that the feelings that are going on, I guess, in verses three and four, uh, two and three, are very, very strong, and it's an act of will to say, "No, I will not fear," even though these things are going on. Why? Because of verse one, God is our refuge and strength. That's that's the bottom line. That's the bedrock. 
And and that is true, however I feel about it. I will not fear that the parents' WhatsApp group kicks off. Oh, <laughs> uh, you see, um, I didn't have to deal with that, so that sounds ghastly. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> Mark, you... um. When we looked at this together on another occasion, you looked at verse 10 and uh, you told us that perhaps be still and know that I am God is understated. I think it could well be. I think if, you know, obviously when you read verses on the page in the Bible, it's very difficult to get the tone of voice. I'm pretty sure that this would not, as originally spoken, end up on nice posters of lambs frolicking. Because I think basically, if you look at the context, verses eight and nine, it's about the desolations on earth and it's God bringing an end to war. So there's war going on and God steps in and he says, be still. In other words, shut up. Stop this. Stop. No, I am God and no one else. So here's the knowledge thing. This is saying, know that I'm God, know what I'm like. So stop all this war stuff. Um, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear because it's, it, you know, he's going to sort of grab the world by the scruff of its neck if they're going to stop. So it's pretty aggressive, I think, in a good way. So, so it definitely belongs across the picture of a kitten. <laughs> um, well, it's telling the kitten to jolly well stop what it's doing. <laughs> Shut up and know that I'm God. That's that's a much better translation. <laughs> And and there is a sense in there in which it is helpful for our children to know in the moment of tears or anxiety, the Lord stands at our doorway and says, shut up. In other words, not rebu- not telling us off for how we're feeling, yeah, right. not telling us off that we're in tears, but saying, can we just stop this conversation where it's heading? And can you just know the starting point is I am still God. So the shut up is to the drama. Right. That we've and and that I am God is to us right. So it, it's as much as so. Um, maybe we can clarify and say, look, he's not saying shut up those tears yeah, and yeah, and stop yeah, belly aching. Yeah. He's saying bring them to me. There are always things in life that make us cry, however old we are. So there are things that break our hearts. But the question is not so much do you or don't you weep. The question is do you or don't you bring it to God. Know that I am Lord, nobody else. I think that's massive for what we want to be able to do as Christian parents with our kids. There are other people we can talk to about being worried. There are other groups we can chat with about, you know, where we're going to get the things that we need. And there are other people we can compete with for our first day at school photographs with our, you know, lovely blackboard day one, blah, blah, on Instagram. But at the end of the day, as Christian parents, the distinctive for us is where are we teaching our children to go with what worries them? And where are we modelling that we do that ourselves? So where do, do my kids see me going with my worries to chat to other mums at the school gate about what, so what are you going to do about this and what, who are you going to talk to about that and how are you going to fix this? Do they see me um, taking it to God, praying it through? You know, I want to model what I want to see them do too. Um, and like even more than that, let's do it together. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's also, you might take it even further and say, look, there there are bound to be times when you're actually pretty angry with God. 
um, and you don't understand what he's doing. Um, we've got a situation in our church, um, which is a really tragic situation and it, at the moment, and it's really causing a lot of heartache, and you're thinking, God, what are you doing? And um, in that instance, it's all the more reason that we bring our anger to God rather than let it channel gossip about God. Um, that would be devastating. It's very easy to mouth off about God to other people. No, let's bring our anger about God to God. Um, be still and know that he is God and he's big enough to take it. In fact, he rejoices when we come to him with everything we have. The reason we wrote this resource uh, with God together, you'll be bored of me saying it soon, was a church wrote to us and said, Faith in Kids, you know, can you help us? What have you got to help us put church back together again after lockdown? And it, it came from a, a great church. So I, I emailed back and said, just just help me out a little. What what does this resource need to do to help you? And sure enough, they had a brilliant answer. They said, the first thing is, is we need space for people to be able to talk about what has happened and how they're feeling which I think goes back to Mark's point earlier about self-awareness. As a church, as families, as people, are we able to talk about what has happened and how we feel rather than you know, talking about what God has failed to do? Let's first of all understand what's happened. Uh, let's listen to each other. And then the second step is, is can we together allow God to speak? Can we together allow him to speak about what he is doing and how he is caring? Uh, I, I thought that was hugely helpful and wise. Before we just start shouting at one another, come on, pull yourself together, back to normal. Can we, can we acknowledge the difficulty and say and, and assume the Lord has help to offer? Amy, you wrote some of these series. How did that go? Well, I think it was. I think it's one of the things that we've been involved in doing as an organisation, as a team. That I think I'm probably the proudest of, if I'm allowed to say that in a godly way. That <laughs> um, I think we've got a really creative team. So talking through those psalms together as a team, um, thinking really deeply about the reality of kids' lives and the things that they're struggling with, um, having creatives, visual creatives, uh, emotional creatives, theological sounding boards, that what we've put together, I think, is great. And I don't often say that. So four weeks through the Psalms, bringing these emotions to God, trying to help families have conversations at home, trying to put resources in the hands of children's workers and leaders in churches that's going to do the hard work for them, so that they can spend the time doing the bit that they can do best, which is knowing the kids. Um, so it's, I think it's really good. We've got worksheets, craft activities, parent components, all age slots. I actually love it. And if you look at the list of the people who were involved in writing it, it says a lot. Repeated twice in this psalm, uh, and I've actually been discussing it this, this morning with these resources, is this line, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And we're, we're always keen 
to try to help children understand what it means and what it will look like. Because I think particularly for children, and I actually think for adults too, there's a danger we we talk about these Christian things and we assume each each other knows what they mean, what they look like and what they feel like. So we move on and it leaves half the room thinking, well, I, we, we're going to repeat this, but I've still got no idea how this week's going to look different. C- can we have a, the start of a conversation about what does it look like for a child, a person to say, God is our fortress. What what would we do with that? What would we find ourselves thinking about? Mark, can you get us started? So uh, very often, I think um, at school, people feel sort of surrounded and uh, particularly if they're perhaps the only one who goes to church in their class or uh, even in their year when my son was at secondary school, um, he was in a school of nearly a thousand and the Christian Union on Fridays used to get only four boys generally. And that was about it. So you definitely feel completely surrounded. But if you think about the weird thing about Bible maths is that with God, you're automatically in a majority. Me plus God is a majority, even if I'm completely surrounded by people who just don't get it. Um, and so when we see that God is with us, it means that this is a fulfillment of promises from the very beginning of the Bible. That This is precisely what God has been um, working towards uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament through Jesus. We have his spirit. So God is living within us and with us. And so he goes into every difficult situation we face with us. That means um, we can pray to him. That means we can have confidence in him. That means he is our fortress. He is our refuge. We can run to him. We can seek protection from him. Now, that does not mean everything is suddenly perfect and rosy. It doesn't mean we get plucked out of any difficult situation. If I can change the metaphor very briefly, it's like the ark. The ark was built to protect Noah and his family in the middle of this great flood. So he doesn't avoid the flood. He has to sail through the flood, but he's in a boat to protect him in the midst of it. And in Christ, we are the same. We are going through difficult trials and, you know, tough times at school or whatever it is in the midst of things. But he's with us. Amen. Like that. It's true. I also think that is also true for a mom's perspective, a dad's perspective, a parent's perspective, that that is what we cling to. He is our safe place. And when we're feeling like the 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 weirdo on the playground, when we're struggling to think, why am I making my kids stand out as different from everybody else? Why am I making those different choices? Why am I making it harder for them? Why am I making them a weirdo? It's because I'm giving them that, I am actually giving them the something better. So to just challenge your own thinking that the all these decisions that I'm trying to make, this the 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 way that we're living differently is because we're living with God. And so what we're giving them is better. Not I'm only giving them more things to make life harder. I'm giving them God. That's always better. And maybe I'll just um come back to the whole feelings thing again. We can't necessarily assume or expect that 
when I do that or when my child begins to do that, the feelings are suddenly going to be snapped into place and feel fine. I'm still might be feeling scared or nervous of a particular teacher or a different class or whatever. The feelings don't necessarily go away, but I think um, the, 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 the ground, the bedrock, the, 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 the truths that we stand on, those remain. Um, and it may improve my feelings, it may not, because as we've seen before, they could be dependent on 101 different things. So don't look to your feelings to, to find, you know, a sense of the prayer having been answered. Uh, there was a day at the end of the summer term uh, when within about an hour of each other, uh, my son was sent home from school with an upset stomach that turned out to be uh, on the last lesson of the sex and religious, uh, sorry, sex and relationships education syllabus. He just felt so uncomfortable putting cards and pictures of bodies and men's and women's bodies together in certain orders to work out where babies come from. And within an hour, my daughter came back saying as she was cycling her car, she'd been hit by a car and she was fine. She was fine, but she was, she was hugely shaken up and we were all stood in the kitchen together, the four of us. And that is exactly the story. So being a parent is on those days you discover, if you like, you're not in the same arc you know, your children are over there and God is looking after them there. Your daughter is over there on her bike on a road. We can discuss whether it's good parenting later. And, you know, she is being looked after by the Lord. A part of parenting is making peace with the fact they are safer in the ark, in the distressing situations of life than they would be if they'd never left your kitchen. God is their fortress and in those moments, we have an opportunity to pray with them and say, thank you that today you were their fortress. Thank you that today you are our fortress and thank you that you have kept us safe. Uh, so parents, as you send your children back to school, it is okay for you and them to all agree you don't want them to go back to school. There's a, an amazing line from C.S. Lewis that I come back to quite often. He, he writes this, we're not doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. So he's saying, yes, God is trustworthy and good. And we do need to keep coming back to that. Um, when we have our wobbles, I think, and Lewis absolutely nails it. We're worried that, OK, I can take it in theory that he's he's going to do the best thing, the right thing, that, that we're going to look back on this and say, yes, Lord, I see what you're up to now. But the process to get to that point, naturally, we feel nervous about it, to say the least. And those days, like as just described, you know, the days of transition, the days of going back to school or whatever, they are difficult. Nothing can take that away. Um, and, you know, as I think both both of you have said before, that um, we can't necessarily just protect our children from all the horrible things in the world. I mean, I vividly remember holding my son. He's now 20, coming up for 23, but holding him when he was about 10 minutes old and just having this overwhelming feeling that I didn't want anything bad to happen to him. And in a way, that never goes away. 
Um, but you can't live like that. And actually, the Lord uses some of the difficult things, again, as we've talked about, to help us grow and to see that he's trustworthy in the midst of it. Um, and that's a very, I think that's one of the hardest things as a parent to, to, to come to terms with and to accept how much you wish you could just stand in the way of whatever it is. Um, but in the end, the bottom line is God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our refuge and strength. Mark, would you pray that please for our listeners? Father, we are so conscious that there is much that we don't understand and there's so much in the future we just simply do not know. We don't know what the next hours, let alone days and months hold. You know what the last year or two has been like. You know how difficult for so many it has been. We thank you that we do know what you're like. We do know your character. We know your track record. Help us to trust in you and your character even more as we face more uncertainty, as we face the coming days. And we pray particularly for all those of us listening to this uh, with children, uh, young people going back to school, perhaps themselves listening and wondering what the days ahead hold. We pray for each one of us that in all our uncertainties and anxieties and fears, we might hold to the fact that you are with us, that you are indeed a refuge and strength, our very fortress. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 On our website, uh, you will find this series we've been talking about, Together with God. It's four sessions looking at the Psalms. We, as with all our resources, hope that it is flexible enough that parents could flick through it, that preachers could look at it for ideas of how to preach and apply it to the lives of families, as well as Sunday schools teach it, knowing that every preacher, every Sunday school leader, every parent knows their situation better than we do and should adapt this resource to suit their needs. It's free to download. Have a look at it. May it be a blessing to you. Uh, and obviously you can let us know how you are, what you're thinking, what you wish we'd do better at podcast at faithinkids.org. Uh, we'd love for people to subscribe to our podcast, Ed. Wouldn't that be great? So they could get more brilliant content like this. We'd also love for people, churches and individuals to partner with us in supporting our work. Please consider giving monthly to Faith in Kids. We'd love to write another series. We'd love to have more artwork. We'd love to have more parent resources and we need your help to carry on doing all of those great things mark thank you it's been lovely thank you amy thank you very much bye-bye bye-bye goodbye